Hi guys. So there's one of two ways you're listening to this. You're doing a screencast where you're going to see the PowerPoint in front of you, uh, or you're listening to the podcast where there won't be any visual stuff, obviously. If you're listening to the podcast and you want to take a look at the PowerPoint, uh, it is under the executive branch uh, and content, and it's the one labeled the president's major roles. All right. So that's what we're getting into is the, the powers the president has. It's spelled out in the Constitution in Article 2. Remember, this is going to be a short article because the founding fathers did not really want to have a powerful president. So they're going to not have a lot of powers listed out in there. Now, the president, as we'll see, has taken on some powers. Uh, but his job uh, was very small when the founding fathers created this thing. The bigger part was going to be Article 1, which was the legislative branch, which is our next next uh, thing we'll be doing in about two weeks. So the president's powers, okay, he is to execute the laws passed by Congress. So Congress gives him the policies and the laws and he signs them. And then it's his job to execute them as part of his oath of office is to faithfully execute uh, the laws passed by Congress. And he'll have help. The bureaucracy is going to help him. Uh, he can veto bills passed by Congress. That's in there. Uh, he is to serve as commander of chief, which we're talking about in just a minute, and receive leaders and other officials of foreign countries. So um, he can uh, have those people to the White House and other places uh, to meet and discuss. I think the Camp David Accords with Jimmy Carter. All right. Uh, and that's going to be those treaties that can get made. Uh, the Senate does have to approve them. So that's going to be a check that the, the Senate has uh, on the president. Is in any treaty he makes, they have to, to, to approve it. Uh, and then he gets to appoint uh, most of the, the heads of his, of his executive agencies. Uh, he gets to do all the federal courts. So the Supreme Court's the big one, but any kind of federal court uh, opening, whether it's district or appellate, goes to the president, all right? Uh, ambassadors and other top government officials. And once again, the Senate has to approve all of these these positions, all right? They don't just get to get picked by the president and then they're there. They do have to be approved by the Senate. And um, in today's time, we do have some some that go through the process, and it's a, a pretty pretty big fight. Uh, over where that president's picks is going to make it through. All righty. Um, lastly, he can pardon or reduce the penalties against people convicted of crimes, federal crimes only. That's a key thing to make sure you understand. Um, he cannot can he cannot uh, pardon you because of the state crime. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about this uh, later on down the road, um, where there was a, a thought that he might pardon one of his lawyers that's going to jail. Um, and so the, the state of New York went ahead and charged him so that he could not be pardoned for that. All right. Uh, qualifications. We know. All right. The main thing this is about is the roles of the president. All right. Uh, he has a couple. First up is chief executive. Uh, and as chief executive, this is going to be the main thing. This is where he spend most of his time. He is going to carry out the nation's laws. So Congress passes a law and then the president uh, as chief executive. Uh, he carries those things out, and this is going to be where he brings in the bureaucracy and uh, allows them to help him out with that. All righty. Uh, next thing as part of chief executive is issuing executive orders, and this is one of your vocab terms. Uh, these are things that the president can use to get around that check of the Senate having to approve things. All righty. So he can't write law. He cannot pass something and say, hey, this is it. Uh, this is the new law, but he can write executive orders, which is similar. OK. Um, and as soon as he writes them, they become become law. Now, the most famous one to me is the uh, Truman one back in the 1940s where he integrated the military. That was an executive order. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt wrote a bunch of them. Uh, recently, Trump 
when he first came into office, one of his first things he did was he created an executive order with the travel ban. I don't know if you remember this. It was back in the, the spring of 2017. Uh, very much controversial. Uh, it went to the courts. It got blocked and made its way to the Supreme Court eventually. When they got to the nine justices, they ended up deciding that this was a constitutional thing. All right. Uh, but it, it had the same process if, if it was a law written by Congress and, and signed off on by the president. In that um, it's something that, that the president can write and he can automatically make it become law. All right. So as soon as that executive order, that travel ban was written uh, and signed, it became law. And so that's where some of the, the, the problem came from was that it was written and signed. And then there's people in the air uh, who are going to be affected by it that they had no idea. So uh, but executive orders, uh, it does get around that. Now, the congressman, the House and the Senate, they can um, kind of go about their. They can kind of attack executive orders. They can, once an executive order is written, Congress, if they wanted to, they could write pieces of legislation that counteract the executive orders. Um, so don't think that the executive orders are, hey, this is the end all be all. There are things Congress can do if they want to kind of get rid of them or whatever it might be. They do have some options there. All right. Uh, but it is a power the president has. He doesn't use it for big things. He's not going to use it for something that's huge and controversial. You know, the president's probably not going to do something that. Hey, we're going to ban abortions or, or something like that. That's going to get a lot of political blowback. blowback. Uh, but there are things that, that can be done. Uh, for example, after the Sandy Hook shooting back in 2011 or 12, something like that, uh, President Obama passed like 17 executive orders. All they did was say, hey, we're going to enforce the gun laws we have on the books. But, uh, you know, so they're, they're, they're out there uh, and they can be big time like the travel ban. Uh, they can be small, minuscule things where, hey, we're just going to enforce this thing that's on the books already. All right. We've already said he gets to appoint cabinet members, judges and other federal officials. Uh, we talked about the pardons. He can pardon people. If you are convicted of a federal crime, uh, the president can pardon you. Uh, and then reprieves and computations. Uh, that's just suspensions or reductions of your sentences. All right. Uh, next up, he is the party leader. Now, a lot of people think this means that he runs the party. So Donald Trump is in charge of the Republican Party. That is not the case. OK. Um, and just like Obama was not in charge of the Democratic Party, uh, but they are the face of the party. Um, so they are going to, you know, when the president is uh, from your party, he is going to try and support you uh, by helping you out with your elections um, and, and things like that. Uh, the platform of the president, since they are more party uh, candidate center nowadays, will sometimes become the party's platform uh, on occasion. Uh, but once again, please don't think this is that they are the leadership of what they say goes within the party. They're leadership positions within each party uh, that make those decisions. OK. And we talked about how the, the old school Republicans weren't big fans of, of Trump, to begin, to be honest with you. OK. Uh, but the president will be providing support uh, for those party members uh, in the House and the Senate. All right. He is the chief diplomat. Uh, this is the foreign uh, relations aspect of the job. Uh, he appoints ambassadors to almost every country. So if you're not going to make me your vice president, please keep me in mind for an ambassadorship uh, to someplace like Fiji or someplace like that. Uh, I'll go and I'll do a good job for you. I promise you. Uh, but it, we, we appoint ambassadors for almost every country and they, they work with the, the local governments there. Uh, the big one is can make treaties. Okay. Now treaties do have to be approved by the Senate. Think back to Woodrow Wilson after the the World War One ended. Uh, he had his big treaty, the 14 points, and he got signed. He worked hard on, got the European countries to sign off on it. And then it comes back and the Senate's like, well, you know what? We're not going to sign this thing. 
And so uh, we had to make a separate peace treaty with Germany because of that. Um, but you don't hear about treaties too much anymore. Uh, they used to be a lot bigger. Uh, nowadays, they're not as big as they used to be. But still, if when one gets made, then uh, it does have to be signed off by the Senate. Now, don't get confused with executive orders and executive agreements. Executive agreements, okay, hold on. Executive orders, that is the domestic stuff. That's stuff that's going to affect us here at home. Executive agreements are stuff made with other countries. So to get around the uh, Senate approval, the president can make an executive agreement with another country. Okay. And the example uh, that we're looking at is NAFTA back in 96. That was something that the President Clinton did not use Congress for. He went ahead and made the agreement and got it signed off on by the other countries. And that was what, where we were at. Um, so that's a power the president has. It's kind of been taken um, that he can do that. All right. So don't get him confused with executive orders, though. I know you got order and agreement. Order is domestic here at home. Agreements are with other countries. Next up, the easiest one for us is the commander in chief. Uh, he has final authority over all military matters. So when we, we make a decision on something, uh, you know, we're going to uh, go and, and do this or that. Uh, the president has final say so. All right. So think to the raid on Osama bin Laden's uh, compound, uh, whenever that was, uh, President Obama had to make that final call whether they were going to go, go in or not. OK, uh, so he gets to make that decision. Uh, now, the president, please understand this. The president cannot declare war. That has to come from Congress. The president can request. Think back to Pearl Harbor and trying to go into uh, get World War Two. Uh, Pearl Harbor happened. FDR called back Congress and had a special session where he asked Congress to declare war. OK, um, the president can send people into battle, uh, but he has to let Congress know within 48 hours what he's doing. All right. This comes from the War Powers Act. Uh, this takes power away from the president. The president had a blank check during Vietnam. And then the War Powers Act was signed where Congress is going to take back some power. So the president has to let Congress know what he's doing with the military within 48 hours. And uh, he has uh, 30 days. And then Congress can decide, hey, you're going to come back. We're going to pull these the, the people back or we're going to make a decision. Uh, and after the 30 days, he has 30 days to bring the, the troops back. Uh, it's either 30 or 60. I can't remember which one it is uh, right now. So but anyways, the War Powers Act, just know that it's going to take power away from the president uh, and give it back to Congress after they have given a blank check uh, to the president throughout the Vietnam War. He is the legislative leader. Uh, once again, this is not him going into Congress and making laws and things like that. Uh, but Congress, a lot of times, is going to follow his lead, okay? Uh, and the agenda that the president presents during their campaign trail uh, is what Congress is going to try and usually get done. It's this working together uh, that they do, okay? So he can, uh, and this is poorly worded, introduce proposed laws uh, in theory, okay? He can write laws. The president can do that, but he has to have a congressman actually propose, I mean, uh, present the, the law. All right. So he can't go into Congress and say, hey, here's my law. Pass it. He has to have someone um, that's going to do that for him. Usually it's not a hard time, hard thing to find. Uh, the president can call special sessions of Congress. Uh, Congress, you know, they're not always there. Uh, referencing Pearl Harbor again. After that, Congress was out of session for the Christmas holidays. And uh, they're going to be called back in by the president. Uh, the president is required to give a State of the Union. That's that. Um, you know, in January or so, February of every year, the president is going to go before Congress and give a State of the Union. Uh, it's a much bigger deal nowadays than it was back in the day. Uh, it used to be just a written letter to Congress, and that was it. Now it's obviously televised, uh, and we make a huge deal about it. And then the president can approve uh, or veto legislation. We're going to talk a little bit more about that process uh, in a later lesson, but the president does have that power and that ability.
head of the state. Uh, the president serves as kind of the face of the country. Um, you know, whether you uh, that's a good thing or a bad thing, that's how you that's your own personal opinion. Uh, but when people from other countries think of the United States, a lot of times one of the first things that comes to the, their mind is the president. All right. Uh, and he will serve this role both here domestically and foreign. OK, uh, this might be him going to cut a ribbon uh, to, to groundbreak on a new hospital or something like that, uh, throwing out the first pitch of a ball game, whatever it might be. OK. Uh, and then lastly, the economic leader, uh, the president deals with the problems. OK. Uh, we talked about the fiscal policy and the monetary policy and what they're fighting. They're fighting unemployment and inflation usually. So the president, um, you know, he gets a lot of credit for the good things and a lot of, you know, uh, credit for the bad things also. Uh, it shouldn't be. He shouldn't get as much credit as he does either way, uh, but that's just how we are. Okay, uh, but they are the policies that that get thrown out there. The president uh, does take credit for uh, and blame. Uh, he is going to plan the federal budget. Now, this is a process. The federal budget is huge. I think you probably have an idea that the federal government spends a lot of money, as you can you probably have an idea of our deficit. But um, the president, with a bureaucratic agency, the Office of Management and Budget. The Office of Management and Budget will spend the year working on the budget, and then they will submit it to the president. The president will go through, do what he wants with it, make changes, add whatever. Okay, um, the president has that ability. He then has to submit it to Congress, and Congress has the final say so. Uh, and this is why you know Trump has wanted to build the wall, but he hasn't been able to get the funding from Congress. That's because Congress has the final say so on those budgets. All right. Um, so there is that. Uh, we'll talk about presidential succession a little bit later. That's the 25th Amendment. Um, you know, who's going to take office? The 22nd Amendment, where we're going to limit the terms of the president because of FDR uh, and things like that. So um, anyways, get this watched and listened to by uh, Tuesday, no, Wednesday, because we have Monday off. So uh, take a listen to it. We're going to go over some things and work on this on Tuesday, uh, Wednesday in class. All right. Hope everybody's uh, had a great fall break and uh, we'll see you in class on Tuesday, the 15th. All right. Bye-bye.